another week, another day, another Sunday, but this is September the 1st. September the 1st. The Time day before flying. Labor Day. Time is definitely flying, and this is Moments with Mika, and I'm and, Mika. And I'm Rick. And this week, well, it's raining today. It is. It's been raining a lot. Soggy, soggy. But still some sunshine with the rain, right? Yeah. I got sunshine on a cloudy. Well, nah. 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 Okay. I feel like it's a bed around the corner for me. Uh, I feel like there's some food coming. I want some ribs, macaroni and cheese, yams, greens, beans, mashed potatoes. You about to say this wrong? I was. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, this week it's a few things that I wanted to discuss, but I just wanted to just kick back and chill and just kind of just give a little bit of motivation and inspiration before the holiday, before fall season come. It is focus fall, people. Not fall back, boy, uh, fall. It is focus fall. Focus fall means you need to focus on your ambitions, focus on your goals, focus on your school, focus on things that's going to better you in life. Focus on yourself. Focus on bettering yourself. So That's real. It is. I, if I, I, I mean, that. for me, it's focus fall. Yeah. It ain't preseason for cuffing. None of that. I think, like, you know what I learned this week is I'm really finding happiness in being single. Well, I ain't trying to go to jail, so that's the only kind of cuffing I can hear about right now, and I ain't doing that. Uh, Relationships, mm, relationship goals right now is get rich. Yeah. Trying to be in love with my bank account and uh, maybe my banker or something like that. Other than that, I ain't trying to settle down with nobody. Sorry if you felt that I was. Wow, Rick. My apologies. You gonna do that on the show? My apologies. You I'm know not this is perfect timing because single again by Big Sean is playing. But you know what? <laughs> I think that I have nothing against relationships or no, anything like beautiful. that. They are. Um, I am definitely dating myself and learning myself, and it's been really, it's been really nice. I spent some time with my, uh, my papa, no, my grandfather. Over the weekend, um, we went this. We went to the movies and we went out to eat and just spending time with my family has been really great for me. And um, see, that has been a movement that I've been really focused on too, mm-hmm. uh, re- rebuilding and re-strengthening those relationships. Yeah. So I got to spend a lot of time with my brother this week, my mm-hmm. brothers this week, and uh, my nieces and nephews, mm-hmm. and really kick it with family and you know chop it up about a lot of things. And you can see a lot of ambition and everybody and a lot of know-how and everybody and just fun, laughter and all of that. Like we had a great time on Friday. That's great good. time. That's so good. like I really feel like it's that season. Yeah. I'm not trying to build a relationship with someone else's family right now. Right. I wanna go ahead and restrengthen minds with my family. Right. Make sure we all on the same page. So, you know. You actually have something to offer somebody. Yeah. You don't know how to be a family. You can't make no family. No, that's that's real true. I've been thinking about that. Like, you know, what can you really bring to the table that's not materialistic? Like, yeah, you can bring money. Man, I got businesses. I could bring that. But can you bring love? Can you bring compassion? You know, can you bring patience? That's a couple things that I'm, like, really working on. Because I, right. don't, I don't have patience. I ain't got time. <laughs> ain't got time. But I'm working on it. And I think the best thing for me is... You know, being around my family, especially like my grandfather, my parents, and, you know, being around people that have experienced things that I'm going through. Right. Um, just to kind of learn myself more so that when I'm prepared, I can bring, you know, knowledge. I can bring wisdom 
to the table other than things that other people disregard and don't pay attention to. That's Mainly my patience. focus. Yeah. Mainly patience. Patience is number I, I one. I realize relationships are 90% about patience. Yeah. And then 10% about the work y'all put in. Yeah. So yeah. after you get past what stresses you out, then you put in that work. Yeah. And I don't think I had the patience for it yet. I don't like to tolerate too much from other people. And I ain't about to argue with you. I ain't about to fight about it. I'm going to turn into a ghost. Just disappear. <laughs> Don't do that because they got a new show on VH. Well, is it VH1 or MTV where they go on to go meet with people that ghosted people? So you know, um, ghost, ghost Bay or the do girl. <laughs> they do interviews, <laughs> <laughs> but no, they doing interviews like that. But no, this show, I wanted to kind of collectively talk about a lot of stuff that I've been thinking about this week that I've been trying to focus on. I always like to do that because I think that it's so good that I share my growth with people so that we can grow together so then when i get to where i'm going people can't say well you ain't try to help us out like i was trying to get y'all to grow with me so i this week i want to dedicate it to that and kind of just put some some nuggets out there some golden nuggets that people can go ahead and just take it the golden nuggets it's the key the key to your success that was my dj Khaled mama you see that that pause that dramatic pause but okay. <laughs> we're about to get into this show, people, so sit back, relax, and action. First things first, let's get into, okay, so I don't know if you guys know what Snowfall is. It come on on Wednesdays, 10 o'clock on FX. So I just got into Snowfall, I want to say, like two weeks ago. I'm fully caught up. It's on this third season. <laughs> and The binge was real. You know what? I really had to go through, but it's a lot. Even though it's a TV show, that TV show has a lot of messages in it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that I picked up on and I kind of wanted to talk about, because I know that I've experienced it before and I know that a lot of other people have too. When you're doing the right thing for so long, like you're doing the right thing, and nothing is happening for you. You it's keep not, running into walls. You keep on running into walls. Or it's not even just walk, running into walls. It's just like you you running towards something. And it's like you cannot see it. And it's like, why can't I see it? I'm doing everything right. And then you have some people where instead of running, you know, on video games, you know, if you're driving, you could take a shortcut and go into the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the dust on the side and go on the grass and find you a ramp. And go across and see if you can jump over right. everyone else. Right. Um, that's what some people do. They take a shortcut. Like, you know what? I'm going to get some easy money. But. See, that wasn't Franklin, though. It wasn't just like that. His mama was working for some racist dude. He was. Who wanted to grow for mm-hmm. He He was struggling. But he was doing the right thing, though. Like, you yeah. gotta, like I don't want to get him too much information. But it's like he was doing the right thing. He saw his mama struggling. He saw with his mama, and he put pressure on him. And I think sometimes, like me, I don't like to see my, I wouldn't like to see my mother struggling anyway. So I am, I will go out and do what I got to do to get this money. And I think that's the some things that some people are doing. Like right. you see people around you that need help, and you can't do anything. So you're gonna do the best thing to help right now, right. even not like not thinking about the consequences or what's gonna happen down the road. The grass look greener right now on this side. It's not just the grass look greener. It's, it's my stomach is growling right now. You can't tell a hungry man about how good a meal is if he just wait. I need to eat today. Right. I may not make it tomorrow. I right. might starve to death. 
So I got to do what I got to do. But it's like, how can you battle something like that? Like, how can you keep yourself motivated to keep on doing the right thing and not give up on doing the right thing and not take a detour? What What's... That be that depends on how what you define as the right thing. The right thing because, is like some decisions may not seem right for everybody else, mm-hmm. but for right now, it's the right decision for you. But that's a, but see now we're talking about like right now gratification, you know, like things that may help you right at this current state, but you know it's not right inside you. That's what I mean. And so like everyone do has that thing where they think it's right and wrong. People other people might think the wrong is right. But you know inside your head, consciously, you know if you about to take, like make the wrong decision, but it's going to help you right now. So what I'm asking is, like, if a person knows that they're doing the right thing right now, but it's not working for them, and they see a detour, they see something that they could possibly go make some quick money, how do you stay focused on the road that you're on to ensure that you don't take that easy way? And see that that is an evolving situation mm-hmm. because that depends on so many factors. Where right. you're at on the road that you're on, right? But you don't uh, know what's around the corner. Like all of these are the unknown factors, right? And to make that decision, it's like some things that's essential to your life right now. Mm-hmm. You may be lacking, and to get onto those wrong paths and all of that is usually something that's a necessity for right now mm-hmm. that leads you that way. Yeah, but it's be- never it's never supposed to be like a true, true option for you to take that wrong side. So it's always something that you can keep going forward. Like even if, like there's things that I need, but I know that I can go without because I'm trying to do the, you know, do it the right way. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, so I don't think that there's... A situation where you gotta go no, to the wrong, you know, take the wrong. There's a situation where you I don't gotta think go. that I don't. I mean, I think that every situation, situation has a. Where when you're looking at your family right. starving, right, and maybe you have one family or one parent that's gone, mm-hmm. one parent that's on drugs, right. You got siblings, mm-hmm. and they need to eat. Mm-hmm. You not old enough to get a job. You don't know nothing about working. You don't know nothing about nothing else. But you know this dope man right down the street. And he gonna put you on to something. Now I got something for that. To come back that. So the dope man is up the street, right? Mm-hmm. Families, your parents, you know, one passed away. One is working, one may be sick. But do you believe that um, whether you're religious or whether you're not, do you believe that if you pray or if you keep the right energy, that blessings or things will come to you without doing the bad things? Or do you think in a situation like that, that they have to take matters into their own hand and go deal with the dope man to make some quick money and put themselves in a lifestyle that they're probably not going to be able to get out of for a while? And then put themselves in more danger. You got to look at your past uh, to try to make that decision. Because most people make that decision based off of your current situation Mm -hmm. and your past. Mm -hmm. What you've been through so far, if ain't no blessings felt like they done trickled down towards you, only blessing you got was waking up this morning and, hey, your stomach been growling for the last five days. Mm -hmm. Waiting around for anything else ain't no longer an option. You got to get up and get it. I see. I, I don't... I understand what you're saying. Um, I, I've never been in a real like predicament like that. But to me, 
And maybe it's because of how I was raised, you know, mm-hmm. my past. But I feel like when I really, really need something, I'm going to just keep it in my mind. I'm going to keep on telling myself that I need this. I need to draw it to me. And I think that everything is, maybe it's because I'm like a person that I believe like spiritually. And I, I believe in myself, like not as God, but I believe that if I speak something and I say I want something, it's going to happen. Regardless of if I, some days I feel like it's not going to happen or not, it's going to happen. Like I'm going to manifest it. Right. I don't think that I have to do anything else to deter it because I can stop my own blessings. I can stop things from happening to me because I'm making the wrong decisions. So I feel like in most situations, patience is the key. Yeah, your stomach was is growling. But, you know, it's other ways that we can do things, you know, instead of taking that that path. I believe so, because I think that you reap what you sow. So you go take that lifestyle, you go in there, you help your family and all this kind of stuff. But now what happens when you have kids and your kids want to take that same step? You want to get them out that lifestyle, but they seen you get that money. Now they want to get that money just like you. They want the same lifestyle and build their own empire. So I feel like you're... See, a lot of people, they one, if you get to the point where you're having kids, you're raising kids, right? That you're getting to a point where one, if you enter that lifestyle, mm-hmm. you're either looking for the flashy or you're looking for better days. Right. So, the, the difference between the people is it's gonna show. Right. So, you make some people who may have everything they need that's functional, they may have some nice stuff, but they're stacking overall. So, by the time they're raising kids, their kids don't need to see that lifestyle. And they don't have the, the preset conditions that forces them to that lifestyle. You don't have the hunger. You don't have, you're not in poverty. You're not struggling. So, you don't have a real need to look that direction. You may Unlike not have a parents, need. I'm about to say, but parent, the... when they were going through that, mm-hmm. it, it was like, this path was like my hope. That was it. When I looked everywhere else, wasn't no programs for me, wasn't nobody looking to help me with nothing, everybody telling me, hey, kid, get the hell on, it's all kind of, it was down, 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 until I took what I was looking for. And now I have acquired what I was looking for, I didn't make sure my kids don't be in the situation where they have to go out and try to acquire the same thing. But most of the time, it's not about the kids needing it after the parents have gotten it, got it. It's about, like... And it's usually not the parents' action. It's sometimes it's the family that's around or the friends. They say, oh, when your parents, you know, when they was younger, you know, we used to do this, this, and that. And it's curiosity. Mm-hmm. And then that's when, you know, I feel like spiritually, since it's it's a world around us that we don't see, that you stuff attached to you and latch on to you, you know, unconsciously. You don't know because you're young. Mm-hmm. But stuff, it's like, latches on to you. Like, sometimes people do stuff and they don't know why they did it. But it's because their parents you know did it i feel like generational like family and everything you can get curses from your family and don't even know how you know why you doing the things that you do why you think the way you do so i think that like when a parent or anyone decides to take a certain situation and try to take a shortcut not only does it affect you but i think it affects the people that's around you and the generation that comes from you so that's why i mean that's true i feel like when it comes to certain situations, like, yeah, I want the easy way. Like, I've seen lots of people pass me up, you know, taking a different side and getting money. Like, getting lots of money and traveling and stuff. And it's like, yeah, I would love to do that. But I, I want to do it the right way. So then when I have kids, I don't want them to have to worry about, you know. Is like, somebody coming to take it? 
not even that. I just don't want them to worry about the things that come attached to it. Like, if I do something the wrong way, depending on what I'm doing, like, I, I don't know which, what would be the wrong way. But let's say I've been working on myself. I've been doing my sit-ups and stuff. So <laughs> let's say I, I decided to take, a, like, a shortcut, get some easy money, maybe do it one night only or something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's certain things that attach to you spiritually. So certain spirits that attach to you. So maybe I get out that lifestyle and I get some money, never tell anybody anything, but I have a daughter, you know, and she, for some reason, she wants to do it and don't know why. It's because the spirit has been attached to me. I hadn't had you and it, it clinged to you because you next on the list. So I feel that way because that happens a lot. Like certain things are generationally passed down. And see, and in, in some aspects, yeah, some things like that can happen. But when it comes to, like, moving drugs or something like that, it's not always generational. It, it's more so circumstantial. I don't know. It's, it's been very few drug dealers that came up like, I want to sell drugs. No, I mean, they I'm not saying it's not like that. a situation where, yeah, I need to sell drugs. Like, everything else ain't working. I work these dead-end jobs. Bosses don't care nothing about me. I got circumstances that keep coming up. I got situations every time I turn around, somebody needs something. I can't do nothing for nobody. I'm about to move this bag. And then when you open it up and you're like, $20,000 for doing that? Oh, this is what I'm doing. That's it. I'm moving this bag forever. Because your kids don't actually have those set, certain set of circumstances. Right. Then it's like, um, I'm not doing that. People die. <laughs> But they don't, they don't have it that to weigh the risk and the reward. Like a lot of people don't dive into the risk because certain situations you have to weigh the risk and reward for. But they don't. People and don't. And some most... people can't. Like, hey, well, I'm gonna die if I don't eat, and I'm gonna die if I do that. But I'm gonna get some food if I do that also. Starving to death is the worst way to go. It is. Don't eat for five days and you start feeling how your body's shaking and your stomach is touching your back and all that. Like, it's a serious feeling. Starving will make you do some things that you never thought you would do. Yeah. So once you're starving, all kind of things look like good ideas. I just don't see, I don't see that. And maybe it's me trying to be positive and me, you know, since I'm working on myself, I'm more sensitive to things. But I just don't see that. I'm not going to say that it's possible, but I feel like if you bring something, like if you really try to manifest something in your head and you try to get yourself to see that, like, I need some food. Mm-hmm. I need some, I need somebody to give me some food. I need somebody, I'm not about to do, I need somebody to give me some food. And you just walk around. I just don't think that it's always, it's circumstances where you have to do that. I feel like even though you don't see it, because some people, since they want to take this route, they don't look at the other routes that's there. They don't look there because this this is what I need right now. But they don't look at the other routes, and I feel like it's some situation. I said I don't think that it's always it's one situation where you gotta take this route. I don't think that that's possible. I just think that this is the this is the route that you want to take because you know that if I take this route, I'm good. But you don't want to take the other routes that may be slower, that may not be as fulfilling and fast as you want. But I think that there's other routes because you look at it like okay. If I just look for somebody to give me some food, I'll make it. But then, if you're walking around in an impoverished neighborhood with that mindset, and you look at this corner, and it's this grown bum with a sign saying, I'll do anything for food. 
and then you guys, somebody else further up the street, I do anything for food. And like all these people out here begging, you're like, well, but that's the first been thing looking wrong. for somebody to give it but to them for a while. It's the, that's the first thing Obviously, that's wrong with this that. area. They not doing that. But I'm saying I need to go get you it. You can't look at other people's situation. Okay, yeah, they got a sign right there, but that never stopped. <laughs> other people from giving what they was gonna give. Mm-hmm. I don't think that other people's situations should affect you. It could be twenty people around you that got signs that says, "I need some food. I need this. I need that. I need this. I need that." Mm-hmm. But a person can see like they could be drawn to you because you're manifesting it. It could be fifty thousand people online, but if you manifest it and it's in your head, you synced it. You it you manifested it so much that you could smell the food and it's not even there. If you want it that bad, I don't believe that nothing could stop you. Like and I and I believe and this That's why they go that direction. Because like being able to manifest things and pull things to you like that, mm-hmm. that takes a a clear state of mind. You have to clearly be focused on what you're looking for. And I don't think so. And when you're when you know this is what needs to come to you and you know this is to manifest something you have to see that thing in your mind, and it has to be very powerful. But if it's something that you really need, like if you're hungry, you ain't going to think about nothing else, but you, I need some food. You're going to think, think about, I need food, how I'm going to get food, where I'm going to get food But you're from. thinking about food, though. Somebody coming off some food. But see, <laughs> the, common, the common denominator is you're thinking, of, you're still manifesting it, whether you're thinking about the route, the how, the how, the why, the what, the who. You're still thinking about food at the end of the day. Like, no matter how you're thinking about it, mm-hmm. you're thinking about it. And my thing is, like, it's not, I, to me, I guess it's not really that that hard to focus on something that you really, really need. Like, it was at one point, I was working at T-Mobile, and I told myself, like, I really, I really want to work for Apple. I really want to work for Apple. Like, I, I kept on telling myself, like, I'm buying all these iPhones. I'm investing all this money. Like, I really, I really want to work for them. I mean, I was still working at my job at T-Mobile. But in the back of my mind, I was like, man, I want this. I want this job so bad. And I went ahead and I applied. And it's not like I was thinking about it every single, every single day, you know. But when I had a chance to slow down and sit back, I would think like, yo, I want that job. And I was able to manifested who knew out of a hundred thousand people they would choose ten thousand people and i would be one of the ones and it's only because i manifested it i said what i wanted okay i didn't have all the skills i didn't have a degree like they was looking for people with bachelors i didn't have a degree i didn't even walk across the stage to get my associates i stopped like four or five classes before i got my my associates so my thing is no matter what the circumstances you may not have the qualifications you may not have the skills, the education. You may not have that stuff. But when you really want it in your heart, like when you really want it, no matter how busy you are in your mind, like if you tell yourself, this is what I want, I want this, I think it'll come. And that's why they enter those paths. One, in certain situations, dealing with the world, dealing with the other side of the world, people are people are messed up. Yeah. People are cruel, messed up, out cold. Oh, yeah. And the younger you are when you learn this, the way you approach things is a lot different. So, yeah, you say you, you manifest it and it could come to you. They say, I did manifest it. 
And that pack came to me. This, this was my manifestation. Right. It showed up. It was my way. And I was good at it. So I made it happen. So, like, it, it's... It's definitely different ways people can handle different situations. They can. But it's all going to boil down to your past life, what you've already experienced, mm-hmm. and your current set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. If you feel like there's nobody else, it's just you. If it's just you and your fellas, if you look up and all you got is your peers as your shoulders, then we going out here and getting it. You ain't got no adults telling you what to do and what not to do. So you got to figure it out. That's true. And you ain't got time to figure it out. Broke. That's true. Being broke, it's the most disgusting thing you can be on the planet. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's being broke and being ignorant to almost everything. Now, yeah, that's, that's, that's that's the most thing. That's, I think that's the reason why I'm trying to um, learn more, read, read more, because I don't want to be ignorant to things that I am supposed to know that other people have knowledge to, that other people have grown up and known. Whereas my community, we haven't had that. So we got to teach ourselves that. Like, we got to teach ourselves stock. You know, we have to teach ourselves about the market. So that's why I'm taking so much time. But I believe that um, if a person stayed on the right path or what they consider to be the right path, I think that they can draw things to them. Like, I've been waiting for years to meet people that were, be around a group of people that were like me. Because growing up, I did not, like, I, I didn't fit in. So most people, I did not fit in at all. So I'm looking for, and it, it sometimes your peers is not really who you're supposed to be with. Yeah. So for me, I'm looking for my, and I guess the right word to say is my tribe. Um, <laughs> my, my crew, you right. know, them people that are supposed to be there that you feel comfortable with. Like, I didn't even feel comfortable with my own family. So yes, I feel like... If you stay down the right, like the right path, things like this will start building up, will start happening for you. Whereas these days you see other people's lives on internet, on Facebook, on Instagram and stuff, and everything may seem lavish, but they not, yeah, they're not going to show you. They take a picture. Yeah, they're not going to show you everything. Like, no one can sit on there and just take a picture all day, every day, and still have it. Like, they have to do, they don't show you the work it took to get to that. Right. So, a lot of people make it seem a lot easier. Now, making the wrong choice is a big, is a lot different. Yeah. Making the wrong choice back in the early 90s or something like that was really a matter of life and death. You didn't see the rest of the world or what everybody else was doing. It wasn't about, oh, well, he got this, so I need to go get this. Or this person over here in Georgia got this. There wasn't no internet like that. Nope. What it was is, I don't have this, I want to have this, I need to have this, let's get it. Alright. Now, kids who do it is, it's totally different. It's totally for a shallow reason. It's not for the necessity of life, it's for the necessity of flashing. Oh yeah, because we want to we show people, I got this, All I right. got it. And it's like, that brings me to my next thing that I wanted to touch on. Um, with this, of trying to stay down the right path. So I recently watched Travis Scott's um, documentary, I guess we can call it, right. on, on Netflix, saying it's called uh, Look Mama, I Can Fly. And in this, it showed how, you know, when he was younger, he liked the instruments, his father liked the instruments, and it showed him having a show, a concert, well, kind of like a show. It looked like at a, like a festival. And it was about 15 people 
while he was on stage. And he was still trying to do his thing, hype everyone up. But out of those 15, like a couple people was there with him, like his friends and his friends' girlfriends and stuff. So he didn't really have a fan base like that. But it shows how he just kept down. He was turned. He kept down his own path. But one thing that stood out to me, and I'm glad that he put it in there, is it showed a moment where he was nominated for two Grammys. I believe it was the best rap performance and I think the best rap song. I think the song was Sicko Mode with Drake. And he, he found out three hours early before the Grammys that he did not win the rap song award. Okay. But when he got to the Grammys, they told him, hey, go down to the tunnels. They about to announce the best rap performance. He was in the tunnels with the lights getting ready to go on stage. He was there with Kylie. He was nervous and everything. And you seen him sitting there, you know, moving his arms and stuff. And they, sang, they said the winner. And it was Carly B. You seen his head drop, and he walked away. And he was upset. He talked about how he went into depression about right. it, and a lot of people don't post those type of fails. Like that was a big thing for him, like to try to get this Grammy. But I'm glad that he posted it because it showed that we don't always win. We can't. Oh, you can't win everything. Like I have, I have not won everything. Like I know that I don't post all my failures, but I try to be transparent. Like, it was a lot of stuff. I wanted to go out of state to college. I wanted to go to an all-black college and everything like that. I tried to get scholarships. I was denied for scholarships and everything to try to afford to be able to go to college in different states. Right. And it's like, you cannot win everything. It's not possible. That's You're not going to win every single battle. And I think that that's what it is. Some people take shortcuts because they just want to win. And it's like, you cannot, you can't win all the time. At the same time, you look at that, like, he has a track record of winning. He, yeah. he sees what his hard work can bring him. Yeah. So, falling into that depression, you know, it's like, I put in all this work, I had all this success, and this is where I want to be. Right. Like, that hurts. It does. But, you know, to look at somebody who decides to go the wrong way with it... They may not have that track record of wins. Right. They may have nothing but L's in their book. And they like, you know what? I'm sick of losing. Making those decisions are I'm sick of losing decisions. But at the same time, some some people will consider their win to be a lose. Like me, since I'm just now trying to be more optimistic, I consider I used to consider myself to always lose at everything. Like literally always losing something. Always Something negative, not definitely not winning, but in other people's eyes, because they were on the outside looking in, it was like you still winning. Whether you think it's so, I think that it's. I don't yeah. think that people always always lose. They may consider themselves to be losing in a situation, but they could be winning because you could be learning something, and it gives you more more push That's for the next true. thing. Because I think it's one guy that was on there. I don't know where he's. I think he's the mayor in Houston. He might be the mayor in Houston. Not sure what state he is in or what city. But he had said, he told Travis when he had told him that he was real depressed, he said, what are you depressed for? He said, I ran for mayor three times. Three times. He said, I lost two years in a row. I, he said, I lost. Kept losing. You know how embarrassing that was? He said, but I didn't stop. I kept going back. And he said, I'm the mayor now. You feel me? Like, I didn't stop because I lost here. Yeah, it's a little bit embarrassing, but you pick it up, you shake it off, which is hard to do to lose in front of Absolutely. everyone. It's hard. But picking it back up and then just carrying it and then just making more strides to win for next time is what most people appreciate. Like, I appreciate 
I had a newfound love for Travis Scott after that. I actually downloaded his CD and everything. I said, I'm going to be a fan now because it's like you show your loss and you show yourself like, you know what? I was depressed, but I'm going to shake it off. And it shows the reality. No matter where you're at, if you're famous, no matter how Absolutely. much money is in your account, no matter if you're dating the most beautiful woman in the world, you're going to lose sometimes. Right. And, and that shows the reality portion of him. Yeah. To show that, you know, what you may see is, oh, he's winning, he's winning, he's winning. But no, he lose too. Mm-hmm. Now, that is a beautiful thing. And another thing is, like, a lot of people are more critical on themselves. Right. So, everybody on the outside may see, well, you did win here. Right. You did win there. No. Because even when you say that's a win, maybe it didn't turn out how I wanted it to turn out. Right. Maybe it wasn't as good as I envisioned it. Right. In your mind, that's going to be a loss. Mm-hmm. I did something, but, yeah. It wasn't what I was looking for. Right. I lost. Right. I didn't do it to my fullest potential. You're going to always be more critical on yourself. Right. That's why depression happens within. Because it's like, you look at this situation, you put in this work, and if it doesn't meet your expectations, what did you actually do? Exactly. That's what you feel. Exactly. Now, it could have changed everybody life in the room. Everybody in the room, their life is different. Because they're like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. Nah, it wasn't what I envisioned. Mm, whatever. So, I mean, it's good to see that, you know, you can be successful and lose too. Oh, yeah. And you can bounce back from that loss. Mm-hmm. And you can you can speak about real emotions in that loss. Mm-hmm. Because that will help other people be able to relate more. It do. It do. But to know that you win sometime also... It is a beneficial thing also. So, like, to be able to actually step back and look at, but I did this. Mm-hmm. That is the thing that keep you away from making those bad decisions or the wrong choices. Uh, looking back to say, hey, you know, that did work for me when I tried that. Maybe I could try that again. Right. That was all right. Instead of saying, hey, you know, today is dark. Yesterday was dark, and last week it was dark. I'm going to make me some light. You got to. I mean... I feel like I have, well, for the people that really knows me, well, I'm not going to say really knows me, but the people that have grown up around me, they know, like, I have lost in front of people, and I have taken it back, and I have criticized myself. Like, I am my worst critic, and I'm working on that, but I see now that that loss prepared me for something else, you know, that's better. Right. So it's like changing your thinking, like... Going from where you were, going from this lifestyle that I was, and then dropping down and having to build back up makes me appreciate, you know, everything else. Very true. It Very is. true. I, and I have seen that. I've experienced that firsthand. So it's like, one, it, get, it lets you know about the people around you. Right. Who's really solid, who's not. Then it also lets you know that, I mean, you can lose. Be prepared. Set your mindset. Learn from this. Mm-hmm. And as you build back up, yeah, sometimes you be a little finicky about touching anything else. You be like, oh, wait, is that a loss waiting to happen? Right. I got a column full of L's. I got a basket of L's. If somebody want to buy L's, I got them on sale. <laughs> <laughs> so I done took L's, but when I look back at it, it's like they're lessons. There's, it's lessons that has been in every one of them to perfect what I'm doing next. Right. So I see, okay, I did this, and all of these parts of it was great. So why didn't it make it? Oh, because you didn't do this well. Right. Okay, you know to correct that. 
And then with the next idea, why didn't that work? Because you didn't do this well. So if you're able to take those losses and build off of the knowledge you gained from those losses, it's like even if you look at how much money you lost in those situations, that's college tuition. You learned something. You learned a lot. You learned a lot more than other people because you have something that you can put on a resume. Right. You have experience at it. And you have experience at it not winning. And so you know firsthand when it's going south. Right. You don't have to wait till it goes south and be like, well, I didn't see that coming. You see the signs of it's going south right now. And you can make corrections and adjustments early. That's an advantage. Because a lot of people have to wait till they're in the middle of it's over before they like, oh, it's over. Right. You can see, oh, you know what? It's time to make some adjustments. That ain't looking right. That looked familiar. Let's go ahead and make some moves. So definitely there is small victories and losses. Mm-hmm. And like you got to just believe in yourself. I believe think in yourself is the hardest thing to do. Yeah. But you have to do it. That is one of the hardest. And I think that me and you, we actually share. I wouldn't even consider it to be a, well, I guess we could consider it to be an L. How when we first started the show, the first couple shows, thousands of listeners. Thousands of listeners, and then you get down to like episode probably episode eleven, ten, and everything just drops. Like ten people. Like it, it like completely, <laughs> hey, wait, completely happened? dropped. And I'm not gonna tell you, my feelings was crushed. Oh, I know. I was pissed off because I was like, you know, was I got all these men. I'm like, I got all these people. I got over a hundred people in my family. I don't but you know what, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I I, lit, I told myself And I had to have people around me tell me Like it doesn't matter the number And then I started like over time Hearing people saying yo I listen to your show It really helped me And then that made me change my outlook on, Okay, Whereas it was thousands of people You know listening to a show The first show is at over like over a thousand listens Whereas you start trickling down And the numbers start getting lower But you have people that are appreciating The knowledge that you're right. giving And so Did you touch somebody Right. So my thing is that's that's the best thing about like taking the right road is knowing that it might not be a lot of people. It may not be a huge amount of people, but as long as one person appreciates what you're doing and one person can get some help from it and you can try to start helping the people around you, it'll grow. Right. As long as it you doing it what you consider to be the right way. That's it. Go back to that Travis Scott show. It yeah. was 15 people. Yeah. And about four or five of them was his friends. So, turned down for what? <laughs> Never turned down because do of a number. what you're supposed to do. Right. You got to. I mean, it's struggles out here. We all don't start something and then it just kaboom. You know, some people are blessed to have that happen. And that's a blessing, but it's, it doesn't happen for it's everyone. It's very rare. It very is. Very rare. And I think it's the the age of social media that it seems like it's it happens more than right. it really does. That's why everybody's moving to the get get rich quick schemes and all of that because they feel like well all of these people has just exploded. That's all these people compared to the world. Right. That's less than half of a percent of the people in the world has exploded like that. Exactly. So with that being the case. I mean, it's very rare. Man, it I almost thought about doing some twerk videos for the show. I said, man, I know I can get a, a Rick. I know I can get us some listens. I can get us back up to them thousands, man. Do one about two or three twerk videos, and that's it. But, but are you, they listening for the right reason? Exactly. So, 
do things organically. Right. Period. Like, let it happen. It'll flow together if you're doing what you're meant to do. And I think this is what... I mean, you might not be meant to do just one thing, but one thing can open the door for something else. Yeah. I believe that. Then you also find the fulfillment in doing what you wanted to do. Right. Like, it's not all about being acknowledged for doing what you wanted to do. Right. It's mostly about doing what you wanted to do. If you felt like it can help somebody and you really want to do this and you really want to contribute this, do it. Contribute. You're in chief of an online sports magazine based in New York called Deadspin. And Megan, she's honestly one of the best women to come into my life. She's been so supportive and just so kind to me. And we've been in contact almost every day since August when I went to the program. So, um, in September, she like she asked me kind of the same questions that I was asked at the program, like, hey, where are you thinking of applying? And I told her. And she was like, can I be honest with you? I'm like, sure. She's like, yeah, those schools are great. Like, you know, state schools and Northwestern. But she's like, you're honestly one of the most brilliant students and one of the best writers I've ever seen come to this program. The program's been running for 17 years. So I was like, are you serious? She's like, yes, yeah. like, you were truly talented. And I'd hate to see you waste your potential on one school when you could get it to, like, some of the best schools in the country. So I think you should try. You should apply to someone like Princeton, like Harvard. And I was like... Oh my god, I just like it thought never crossed my mind. I think maybe once when I was back in like ninth grade, I thought maybe I could because uh, everyone always told me I'm smart. So I was like, maybe I'll I'll try to apply to one of those schools, but not like I'm invested in it because that like never happened. It was like I was like maybe I'll apply to like Dartmouth or something just to see like it, you know, because I thought that was a really cool school. I didn't end up applying to Dartmouth, but after ninth grade, I kind of just dismissed those thoughts. I was like, no, IVs are like way too crazy, so I just I just completely removed them from my head. But she like she put she planted the seed like back in my head. She's like, no, I think you should really do it. So. I worked with her over two months, up, and like, yeah, from October to November, we did everything, got my letters of recommendation, um, and talked to my counselors, and, like, the biggest thing that she helped me with were my essays, and helping me figure out how can I, like, effectively, you know, tell my story, so she, I, um, I wrote about, you know, like, my struggles, like, moving around a lot and being isolated as a kid and not really feeling like I fit in but always just loving school and like loving writing and just yeah I just spoke about that um a lot and how like um I also wrote about one of my other essays like after I got home from the program like everyone was like in awe it was like how did you like even if I even though I hadn't gone into school you're like how did you get to a place like that and I was like I don't know and they're like wow like this is this is crazy and I realized that like I don't want to be like I appreciate when everyone like the attention everyone gets me but I don't want to be like singled out as like the one girl from Detroit who like got into a place like Princeton like I don't want to be singled out like that I want to like encourage like the success and like the full potential of Every anybody who feels like like a school like Princeton just is impossible for them because maybe of their background or they just like never heard of a school like that. Like I want to encourage that, especially within my own city, because I see like so many like hardworking youth who just like never get a chance to achieve like 
what do you ever get a chance to achieve like your dreams like fullest potential so um i wrote about that in my essay i was like no i don't want to be the only one who has the chance to like go to a place like princeton or gets like letters in the mail like i got so many like letters in the mail from a bunch of different colleges and i just like like state schools like some of the best schools in the country like hey we um you saw like your test scores you scored did really high like your grades and we're like we think you would do well in applying so i was like i don't want to be like the only one i want to help um as many students as i can like achieve to like the best of their abilities too so i wrote about that and um i applied to princeton early um a uh a common theme like between all the Ivy League schools that you can only, if you apply to them, you can only apply to them early. You can't apply to any other schools. So I applied to Princeton early by November 1st, and that way I could hear back December 15th. Um, the plan was, like, if I got into Princeton, then I didn't have to apply to a bunch of different schools. But if I didn't get in early, maybe I got deferred to regular action. I found out at the end of March that I applied to a bunch of different schools. Because the program right now, they recommend that students apply to between 15 to 20 different schools because they know that like some of the, like these schools, they um, are very particular about admissions. Like some, they have really low admissions rates. And I think Harvard this year only accepted like 4.5% of its applicants. So they're really competitive and they don't want the students to all cast their, um, net, like into one bucket. Um, so they say apply to like 15 to 20 different schools, cast a wide range and just see where you, like where it ha like what can happen. Um, so my mentor was like, okay, your top choice is Princeton. You've applied early. We'll see what happens to that. Um, and if, like, if you don't get in, like, either they reject you or they defer you to regular action, then you can apply to the other, I had, like, 17 other schools on my list. Um, so I applied to Princeton, and then I also, I applied to Princeton early, then I also applied to Harvard and the University of Pennsylvania, that was, that's the Ivy based in Philadelphia. I, they got the chance to go there. They flew me out. I did um did these things called fly-in programs where you like you it's kind of like a mini college application essay. You write like a short um essay and like your interest and put like GPA test scores, whatever. And if you get in, they will fly you out to like the college campus so you can see the campus, see if you like it, and then you can identify it as a place you maybe actually want to go to for college. So I did that fly-in program, and I, I liked Penn. I thought it was really nice. Um, and it became my second choice, like, after Princeton. Um, so December 15th rolls around, like, the day early admissions come out, and, like, my heart is beating, like, so fast. Like, I'm freaking out. I was like, oh, my God, what have I gotten myself into? Like, this is crazy. I applied to one, like, the, literally the top school in the country, and what was I doing thinking I could get into a school like this? And then, like, the results were released at 7 p.m. Um, I had to go online and check my application portal. And, like, the first thing I see is congratulations. And I literally just freak out. I was like, oh, my God, how did I how did I do this? This is, like, absolutely insane. I got into, like, and I got into an Ivy League school, like, a school like Princeton. Um, I was freaking out. My mom, there's actually a 30-second video we uploaded to YouTube. It was, like, a thousand views or whatever of me just, like, screaming at the top of my lung. Like, I'm jumping around my living room because I, I can't believe it. I started crying. My mom started crying. And she was like, yes, yeah, like, all the hard work you put in, it, it's, like, it works. Like, you, you've accomplished this. You should be proud of yourself. Like, I know, you know, your childhood wasn't 
best and you had to go through a lot but you overcame all of it you just really accomplished your goals and I was just I was so it's still like it's still crazy to me to this day like I look at my acceptance letter and I'm like how all of this happened mm-hmm. um yeah and then after I found out I got in I kind of like got famous like in my community like I was on the front page of our student newspaper which I was actually on the newspaper I was one of the editors of the newspaper but I got like so many like people like flooding me with emails like out of my school like congratulations and I got an email from a ninth grader who was like hey like do you have any advice for me just starting out in my high school career about how to get to a school like this and I'm like yeah just like you know always work hard check your best in your classes um you you do extracurriculars that you're really passionate about, not just, like, doing 10 different clubs or activities just to fill, like, a college application. Like, really focus on what you're passionate about and then really try to translate your passion and your life story into your essays. Right now, colleges are really big on writing. They want to see, like, what it gets to know you as a person because um, what I learned was actually kind of shocking to me is, like, most admissions officers, especially at some of the top schools in the country, um, they spend at most 15 minutes reading an entire application. So this is an application that you spend like months working on, filling out like all your essays and all these letters of recommendation and everything about you, like essentially trying to tell your life story. And they literally will only spend a max of 15 minutes reading it. So you have to like really sell yourself in a really short amount of time. So you have to come through and you like just catch and try to give it your all. And I tried to do that. I paired my heart and mind and it worked for me. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just crazy. Uh, my mom called Rhonda's Brag Book and actually got a feature on that, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also during this time, I uh, so through the Princeton program, my mentor shared with me another journalist opportunity to uh, write for The Trace. The Trace is an online news organization that focuses on gun violence in America, and they wanted to... Um, start this project called Since Parkland, um, which would document, like, all of the um, children and teens killed by gun violence in the aftermath of the Parkland shooting in Florida um, back in February of 2018. And they were like, would you be comfortable writing about this? I was like, oh my god, I've never written about something this serious. Like, I got kids to write about, like, politics and different things at the Princeton program, but actually, actually writing about, like, gun violence and how that affects so many kids and teens in America, and it was, like, something home for me because it is, uh, unfortunately, it is, like, a prevalent issue in Detroit. I was like, yeah, I'd love to do it. I've never done something like this before, but I'm willing to try, and I want to shed light on these stories. Um, so I did that throughout my senior year. is actually something I included on my college application. It just really opened my eyes about journalism and how gun violence affects different communities in the country. Um, I ended up writing 19 profiles about 19 different children and teens who were unfortunately lost their lives to gun violence. Um, four of them were in the Detroit area. One of them was actually, um, I believe, a three-year-old boy. It took place right down the street from my house. Like, I live on... I live by Dearborn, like, right off of Southfield and Warren, mm-hmm. and he was, um, I'm not sure if you're about the boy who was shot, his godmother was taking him to see Sesame Street Live, and he was shot on the Southfield freeway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, um, I actually ended up writing about him, and I, I was, I was so sad, I remember I was crying, there were a bunch of different times I was crying, because these kids, like, they had, I remember, like, one was a cancer student, and one 
was like an aspiring doctor and they, I was like, oh my God, these, these kids literally could have been me. And I think that's like the, was the point of the project was they wanted like actual teens, young people who like see this happening to their peers. You know, they're not removed. Like this is something that's happening to them. It can literally happen to anyone. Like I wrote about people while I was 16 who were 16, 17 and I got shot. I was like, uh, any of these kids could have been me or just resonated with me. Um, I believe it allowed me to grow to be more mature. But yeah, I just, I wrote about all of them and then I had to do interviews about that and I got more exposure. So senior year was just, a crazy year I never like had that much attention on me even growing up people knew I was smart but Princeton and that like I got interviewed by Boston NPR and like I featured on the now this news segment I actually like my one of my friends saw me on snapchat she's like yeah I saw your name on like a snapchat story I was like whoa that's crazy <laughs> so it's a big year um and I got uh like after March rolled around um, actually, if I have any Harvard rejected me, but I didn't really want to go there anyway, so that's fine. Um, but I did get into Penn, though, so I got into two IVs, and there I was. I liked, I liked Princeton a lot more than Penn, so I committed to Princeton. And then uh, two weeks after I committed, they're starting the enrollment process. They tell me, hey, you've been invited to do our summer program called the Freshman Stars Institute, where you get to take two credit courses over the summer. And we go on all these trips to, like, Six Flags and everything. It's, like, a really fun, like, bonding experience. And just, like, acclimated to the university. I was like, yeah, of course I'll do that. So I got, like, into that. And I actually for that program tomorrow. So I'm, like, in the process of packing everything. But, yeah, it's, it's been, like, a really crazy year. I'm so, like, excited and grateful for everyone who's, like, been, like, supportive of me. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I just want to... I want this to be like a starting point. Like I don't want it to just end with me. I'm already looking for like my younger brother and sister and then going to college with my brother. It's like it's gonna have to come sooner rather than later. He's already in middle school. So I'm like, okay, like the, we're getting the ball rolling early, like no hesitation. I want, you know, just to see like you grow and I wanna see all my friends to where I know are really smart and they deserve it grow. Um, actually, while I was a senior, I actually helped mentor one of the juniors in my newspaper class, and she got into the Princeton like summer journalism program. So, like, yeah, just always like paying it forward, and um, yeah, it's basically my story. Now, if anybody, um, if they wanted to like send you some cash to say congratulations, what's your cash app? Oh yeah, um, so my cash app is. AJ um, Marie M A R I E ten nineteen. Um, so like my name is Ajane, but um, my mom she has to do this thing where she gives her um, kids two middle names. So my middle name is Jubel Marie. So it's like AJ like Ajane Jubel, and then Marie my other middle name M A R I E, and then ten nineteen October nineteenth is my birthday. So awesome. Well, I'm thankful that you did this interview and. Once again, congratulations, because you really beat the odds, and this is, like, amazing. So I cannot wait to see all the great things that you're getting ready to do. This is just one of your checkpoints. So this is the beginning of everything. Yeah. So keep, like, being awesome, and definitely keep on paying it forward, because, you know, helping other people helps you in the long run. So congratulations, girl. You did that. Thank you so much. Talking about beating the odds. I mean, yeah, that was dope. That yeah, was that's super really dope. dope. Yes, and I'm very like I'm very happy 
um, that she was able to accomplish this and reach this checkpoint because it's amazing. A lot of us look at certain things and we think it's not reachable, but it is. If you just stretch out, you know, and you grab and you go for it. Let's say you go for it and you don't get it the first time. Go for it again. And I like how you said it's a checkpoint because it's more to come. Yeah. So it's definitely a great, a great bounce back and come up story. And to see what comes next will be really interesting. It is. I mean, I think one thing is um, a lot of us, some of us are, like, I went to college. And because I wanted to make money more, I'm like, uh, I can go back, you know. But certain people think that you have to go to college, you know, in order to get certain things in your life. And all of us, we're not all the same. So I think that even if you, you know, you're listening, you didn't go to college or you don't, you're about to go to college and you don't want to, you know, we all have different roles, but we all can be beat the odds. Well, keep in mind, uh, most of the billionaires right now are mm-hmm. not college graduates. Was Bill Gates? Bill Gates I don't uh, think he, dropped I, out. Yeah. Um, Zuckerberg dropped out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of uh, the money-making ability does not come from college. It comes from your drive. Right. So, like, don't worry about that. Um, mm-hmm. When I went to college, I was like Charlie Brown. All I heard was, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and I mean, the grades was all right, but mm-hmm. I couldn't keep my focus. Like mm-hmm. my focus just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you'll come through, you get a 4.0 a couple semesters, and then you like going back because I just can't take it. I'm stressed. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's just not for everybody. Right. It's not saying that you don't have the aptitude to do it. It just may not be for you. Right. Find yeah. what's for you. I don't think, and I don't want to make it seem like we're telling people, like, oh, you don't have to go to college, you know, because you really should. You should really have that experiment. You don't have to go to college. Yeah, I mean. If if, it's what you want to do, definitely. Right. If you try it and it don't work out, don't stress out. That's true. Yeah, because I stressed out a little bit um, when I first got out of college. And I I was upset because I was like, I really want to, I want to work for Apple. I really want to do this. And I really thought that it was unreachable because I'm like, this is Apple. You know, they're going to want me to have a bachelor's degree. They're going to be looking at this and that. It's thousands of people that's applying to this job. Why should I apply? They're not going to call. They're not checking for me. Well, I got in. And boom, I applied and I definitely got in. And, you know, they told us over 10,000 people applied for this job. And we only hired 1,000. Apple is all over the world. Yeah. So I just want to let people know that nothing is unreachable. You can always reach something as long as you go for it. All you got to do is go for it. I mean, failing is a part of life. Right. Um, I think that when I first, when I was younger, I had a little business. I had like a jewelry business where I would make beads and stuff like that, mm-hmm. bead bracelets and necklace and everything like that. And for me, I I failed at it because I just stopped or whatever. And I was like, well, I could never probably make a lot of money off of this. Well, so we started doing I that in the summer up. too. We yeah, leather craft. Leather craft. Yeah. Wow. So you had the little hammer and the mallets, and you used mm-hmm. to tone the leather. Like it was fun, but like you said, it's just something that got let go. Yeah, and it's like at this. At some point in life, you can't keep on letting go of stuff. Right. Like, even, I mean, the scariest part about being an entrepreneur, I can say in my book, is not knowing if you're doing something that people will like, accept, or that 
will you know make a difference in anyone's life or make a difference in your life so you like it's it's a little bit scary because you don't know like with my clothing line i didn't know if people would like the designs or want to purchase anything or like the podcast and want to listen to the podcast right. but it's about just doing it like if you're doing it and you're doing it for a certain reason like me i'm doing it because i feel like it's people that voice need to be heard and they don't talk they don't speak out nobody want to talk about their depression nobody want to talk about you know anxiety or crying all night and all that kind of stuff or tell their story Absolutely. so i say that all of that to say try for it you can beat the odds it's not um just gonna happen to certain people you can do it as long as you put your mind to it well with that said you have to, you have to, have to believe in yourselves, uh, see what's around the corner for yourselves, and uh, go ahead and tackle it. And I think this was an awesome episode. It was. And I just want to make it known that now that I'm 27, I got to work a little harder because I'm trying to get on that Forbes 30 under 30. You feel me? Forbes 30 under 30. Man, I'm telling you, that's been something that's been on my list for a while now. So I'm still pushing for it. So uh, this year... I'm going to work a lot harder because, oh. you know, I only got a couple more years under 30 and I got to make that list. I got to oh. make it happen. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give me a subscription to Forbes. <laughs> um, I'm still pushing for the Fortune 500, so uh, that's coming soon. I missed the 30 under 30. That, that's that's cool. That's I was, cool. I was, I, was, I was highly intoxicated well, under 30. Well, Forbes is still Forbes no matter <laughs> what age, so <laughs> it don't matter. But we gonna, if we all keep the same mindset and keep remaining positive, we could all beat the odds and we could all be um i guess a person that another person will look at because right. i mean if you listen to the interview she talk about how you know she reached a goal you know she got into the school that she wanted to get into and someone younger than her you know was like well how can i do that so always pay it for people right. to help the next person and somebody will help you what goes around comes around never know who watching well this has been moments with mika and i'm rick peace peace jacob is the is the uh the forefather of the israelites He's right. the one there to have four women that made the 12 tribes. Right. He showed his word unto the Israelites. Go ahead. His statutes uh-huh. and his judgments unto Israel. Go ahead. Verse 20. He had not dealt so with any nation. And he ain't dealing with them. He gave us the law. He commanded us to follow the law. That's right. Not the other nations. The very reason why they robbed you of your nationality and your culture is so that you wouldn't know this, right? Right. You remember that statement? If you if you want to hide anything from a nigga, you put it in a book. Oh, they talk absolutely. about the Bible. They talk about the Bible when they make that statement. If you ever want to hide anything from a nigga, you put it in the Bible. You know why? Because we never read this, man. We never read this. All right. Give me uh, Deuteronomy twenty-eight and verse. You got it. Give me your uh, verse uh, fifteen. Did we just read fifteen? What was that one? Give me fifteen. Give me fifteen. Deuteronomy 28 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe, to do all his commandments. If you don't do all that he commanded, you know how the Christian church teach you to pick and choose the laws that you want to obey. In fact, Creflo say, man, they, they nailed him to the cross. Right. You ain't got to do none of them goddamn laws. None of them. Give me what Christ said in uh, what, Matthew uh, 5 17. Matthew 5, 17. Go ahead. To, to observe and to do all. Go ahead. And his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Now, this, think about this right here. The Lord said, 
if you obey me, I'm going to place you above everybody. But if you don't, I'm going to curse you. Now just check out some of the curses. Keep reading. Verse 16, curse shall not be in the city. Hold on, now everywhere, every city in North, Central, and South America, where blacks are and they've been there and dwell, man, you're going to see impoverished conditions, drugs, you're going to see murder, rape, you're going to see uh, AIDS, uh, and, and all sorts of plagues, man. He said, curse shall not be in the city. Go ahead. And curse shall not be in the field. And everywhere in these cities where black people work, man, some of us, excuse me, they fucking with us in all these jobs. Right. You see what I'm saying? We got to contend with not only our people who jealous if we get up the ladder a little bit, but the, but the man who hate that we eligible for those extra perks. We got to contend. Let, think about it. As long as we've been in America, man, we've been fighting for equal rights in the employment uh, atmosphere. We've been fighting to be accepted, man. Marched and we picketed. We protested. We boycotted to have these jobs, man. But guess what? We still, to this day, man, relegated as the first one fired and the last hired. So, curse shall thy be in the city, and curse shall thy be in the field. The field is where you work. You're going to have to, you're going to contend with racism. You know what I mean? You're not going to get that job that you deserve. What did, what your mama tell you? You got to work 10 times harder than the white men. How many of us heard that growing up? You got to work extra hard in order to be equal to him. That's a goddamn curse, man. Keep going. Come on, God. Verse 17. Curse shall thy curse. Curse shall be thy basket and thy story. Curse shall be thy basket and thy story. I love this one right here because now it justified why I had to eat goddamn ketchup and mustard sandwiches right. at the end of the month. Right. Curse shall be thy basket. Meaning, what you put in your basket at the grocery store, you know that basket? The cart that you want to run, that's your basket. And what you what you what you store those goods in, your refrigerator and your cupboards and your cabinets, at the end of the month, man, it was, it was a can of goddamn beets in the uh, cabinets. And bread and mustard and mayonnaise. That's what I was eating, man. Cornmeal. Cornmeal, man. Corn mush. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I would wish that on my kid ever. Man, rock, we boiling rocks for soup. You know what I'm saying? Onions, we boil them, sipping the broth at the end of the month. Curse shall be thy basket in your yard, in your store. Where are you going to store your food, man? Give me uh, Deuteronomy 28, verse uh, 32. It get deeper, real quick, sis. Go ahead, give me uh, Deuteronomy 28, 32. Deuteronomy 28, 32. Thy sons and thy daughters shall be given unto another people. Ooh. Ooh, that stung me when I read that. <sighs> What? One more time. Kind of kind. Thy sons and thy daughters shall be given unto another people. And then I start thinking Crazy. about the King Tay, man, and kissing. Oh, yeah, I just don't watch that. Oh, now I start thinking about uh, Chicken George, you know what I'm saying? I start thinking about how they chop Kuta's, uh, Kuta's uh, foot off, man, and how they threatened to, to chop off his, his ride. You know, and that movie made me cry as a child watching Roots. But, but as soon as I read this precept, that what, that's what popped up in my mind. Thy sons and thy daughters shall be given unto another people. I was like, oh, man, this is the Bible? This is the Bible? And nobody ever read that for me. Book of Man, the General Yahan. Nobody ever read that for me in the Christian church. Not Creflo, not T.D., not your, your favorite pastor around the corner. They gave you that little, uh, little bitty book and told you that was the whole Bible, that little orange book. 
That's the slave Bible that they gave to you. And they emphasize John 3.16. And don't even understand the breakdown of John 3.16. All right? Keep going. Thy sons and thy daughters shall be given unto another priest. I know all of these by heart. I've read it so many. I can, I can verbatim these scriptures right here. Because when I first came into the truth, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to disprove this Bible. Because as far as I knew, it was a white man's book. As far as I knew, the white man wrote the goddamn Bible. If the white man wrote the Bible, why has it got so much stuff that rele that's relevant to black people in it? In terms of who they are to God. And I, and I, and I began to like research and research, and I, did, and, I, and I saw so many other, other supporting factors that prove black people ain't just who you think they are. They're some special people in the earth, man, to the Lord. I found that out, man. And my journey has not changed since then. Keep reading. Uh, and thine eyes shall look and fail with wrong before thee all the day long. And it took me a minute to realize what that meant. And again, I'm going to reference the movie, The, the Roots, because when they sold little Kizzy mm -hmm. to that other uh, other plantation, uh, was it, who was her father? Kutukite, uh, wasn't it? Was it Kutukite was her father? Yeah, Kutukite was her father. And I remember it was Chicken George or Kutukite, but one of them heard kids in the background after she was sold. And then he thought it was his daughter. And he turned around with a smile on his face, but then when he realized it wasn't his daughter, his eyes fell back to the ground and he became depressed and empty again as a man. And I relate to that because I have two, I have a really four beautiful daughters. You know what I mean? Two of them not so beautiful, slacky. Because <laughs> I didn't have the truth when I raised them, you know what I mean? But two beautiful ones, man. You know what I mean? That love the daddy and appreciate him. And I thought about them being sold and, you know, people don't think I cry, but oh my God. Think about your daughter, somebody coming up in here trying to get your daughter. And, and summon up to some sadistic monster, man, it's gonna be fire. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rain hell from the goddamn sky. Somebody got them dead. That's what I was thinking. And I, and I related to that brother and his depression. And that scripture proved uh, the, the point. Read it one more time. And thy eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day, all the day long, and there shall be no might in thy hand. Meaning you ain't gonna be able to do a goddamn thing about your daughter. Being ripped out your arms and sold to some molesting sadistic soul. Wow. You see that? That's in the Bible, sis, brother. In the in the scriptures. Uh Deuteronomy 28, what that's 32? No, give me 33. 33. The fruit of thy land and all thy land. Go to uh go to uh, verse uh, 48. Well, give me 46 first. Deuteronomy 28, 46. And they shall be upon thee for a sign and for a wonder. Give me 45 first. 45. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee. Now the Lord is saying, these curses are going to come upon you. Go ahead. Keep going. And shall pursue thee. And pursue thee. Go ahead. And, and overtake thee. And overtake thee. All of these curses will overtake you. Go ahead. So thou be destroyed. Till you be destroyed. We, right now we're destroyed. We have no problem supporting everybody else in distance our own brothers and sisters. That's a destroyed nation. Keep going. Because thou hearkenest not unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Because you didn't obey the Most High in that covenant that he made with you. Keep going. To keep his commandments. See, keep going. And his statutes. And his statutes. Go ahead. Which he commanded thee. Uh -huh. 
And they shall be upon thee for a sign and for a wonder. Meaning these curses shall be upon thee for a sign. Meaning what? If you, look, if you put up a sign, it's an indication of something. Right. So these curses that we face is an indication that we are the children of Israel. That's right. You understand? That we his chosen people. This hell we face in America, our daughters and our, our, our sons being sold to these monsters, the, the, what we regard as marriage, what, how we uh, uh, just believe so wholeheartedly in America despite this carnage, man, on our people. You know how many millions of us died in the voyage over here, man, to establish this great nation, only to be the last people that benefit from it. Right. That's a destroyed people. All right, keep going. More they should, they should uh, be, a, be upon me as they sign. Verse 47, because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of the heart. Go back to the Lord. We're not jumped out of 48. We got two more of you now. Verse 48, therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies. So because you don't do this, you're going to serve who? Serve thy enemies. You're going to serve who? Serve thy enemies. Why man your friend, sister? Why man your friend, right? Don't you got to go back in your friend? Yeah. Therefore, shall you do what? Serve thine enemies. Don't you serve Becky? Don't you serve uh, Donald Trump? Wow. Don't you serve these white people in America right now? Don't you give them all your goddamn love? Don't you make your hair look like theirs? Don't you don't you fast in your walk and you talk like them? Don't everything you do is about being like them. You hate the fact that a man can have more than one wife. You know why? Because the white man didn't say you could. That's right. You hate those things, man. But the Lord said, man, you should hate the opposite. You should hate the fact that you can't have more than one wife in this God forsaken place. And claim her legally. That's what you should hate. We so twisted in our goddamn thinking, man. It's it's gonna take men like these niggas that you see in the ghetto raise up, come out their stupor, and all of a sudden you see them talking about the goddamn Bible. If you knew me ten years ago, if you didn't hear me now, you'd be like, God damn, this nigga here. <laughs> <laughs> this nigga for real. Now, I know that ain't that guy. But it, it takes men, like the Lord said, he ain't going to uh, put some guy that's already up there in charge of life. He's going to raise them up from the boroughs and the ghettos, right. from the, the lowest states in, in humanity, and raise them up and do tremendous things with them. I'd be selling weed out this motherfucker, so like it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? All of us, we be doing busting goddamn head. You, like, you look around and you'd be scared of the niggas I roll with. On the surface... Let them open their mouth up. The only thing they want to teach you is the Bible and the culture and how to how to escape from the white man's oppression. Right. It's only one way to overcome these curses. It's by following the laws again. Right. Embracing the culture. Not getting blindsided because a man got another wife. Right. Right. Don't be don't be you know so goddamn simple, man. It's much more complicated than that. It's seven to one man. You see, seven women to one man in America right now. Probably a bigger number than that. Black women, are like, and, and I'm flocking for going on. And I'm going to go right back to this. I want to ask you all a question. Who, who is the, the most atrocious murderer in the black Hispanic and Native Indian community? Who knows? Among both of you guys. The most atrocious murderer? Black people in America than this particular person. Who's the biggest killer in the black community? Is it gangs? 
No, it's the it's the government itself. I, to me, I don't. I'm gonna give you that. I'm gonna yeah. give you that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's I'm, all I'm I'm, I'll give you that, sis. But the government is is the one that convinced us to kill our babies. Collectively, black men and black women get together and say every day to the tune of 400,000 a year. Did you know that? I ain't talking about Hispanic and Native Indian people. Just black people. We kill 400,000 babies every year, sis. Since Roe v. Wade in 1972, we've we, we, uh, some, uh, amassed a insurmountable number of black babies, man. You know what they do with our, back, our black kids? They still the, the stem cells and the development of tissue. Yeah. And guess who they feed, feed that to? They yeah. feed it to the people that are on the top of society. They got stem cells, man, that they injecting in, in people, man, with money and keeping them alive. Right. It's like it was going off. But we, we collectively, I wanted to put it on black women, but I ain't going to go that far. But we killing our babies. That's another thing that needs to be brought out there. Stop having abortions. If you don't want to have a baby, stop having sex. Right. Period. It's like it. Go to Deuteronomy 28 and verse uh, uh, No, he was at 48. Go to verse 50. Deuteronomy 28 and 50. A nation of fear cousin is. Go back to 48. Verse 48. Therefore, shall not serve thy enemies. We serve them. We've already broken down how we serve them. Go ahead. Which the most high shall send against thee uh-huh. in hunger. In what? In hunger. When you go when you go purchase all your groceries from um, amazing food, you mm-hmm. serving your enemies. Go ahead. And in thirst. When you pay your water bill, you serving your enemy. Go ahead. And in nakedness. When you buy the clothes, all of us gotta buy clothes. We serving mm-hmm. our enemies. Go ahead. And in want of all things. Everything you want, including your woman, bro. Including to get married, you go buy that ring, you're giving it to the fake chick. You go buy a house, you're giving it to the mortgage company that's ran by white people. You go buy a wedding dress, you're giving it to them again. Everything that you do is in support of the enemy. Keep going. And he shall put a yoke of iron upon them. He should do what? He should put a yoke of iron upon thy neck. Look at that picture with that brother with that, uh, that iron bar around his neck. You ever seen that in the slavery pictures? That yeah. Iron yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's what it's talking about. The slavery. He should, put a, he should put a yoke of iron about thy neck. Go ahead. Until he have destroyed you. Once he have robbed you of everything, he will take it off. Because now, guess what? You a willing slave. He don't need to chain you two together no more. He can take the bars off, and guess what you're going to do? You're going to serve him willingly. Mm-hmm. You're going to dress like him, talk like him, fix your hair like him. You're going to be ashamed of your, uh, your features because they don't match what he has. I don't know if you can see that, that picture right there. And he shall put a yoke of iron about oh, my yeah. neck until I be destroyed. Now he took that off because he destroyed your ass. Now you're killing your babies willingly. He ain't got to feed them to an alligator anymore. Because you feed them to the abortion clinic. Y'all ever heard of alligator babies? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do research on that. Google that right there. YouTube that. Um, keep going. 49. The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far. Where? From far. Now, you know the white man come from the Caucasus Mountains. He's the original caveman. This nation of people come from Georgia, Russia. Now, look up the Caucasoids. They're from that cold, regionous, mountainous area, man, in the Caucasus Mountains where they were sleeping with Neanderthal. Every white man, woman, and child got a portion of Neanderthal in their blood. 
That's where they come from. A nation of fierce countenance, man. This is a very new nation, the white man. Keep going. From far, mm-hmm. the end of the earth, uh-huh. as swift as the eagle flight, and, and their national symbol is always been that eagle. Go ahead. A nation whose son thou shalt not understand. I'm struggling with this English right now. I practice it a lot, but sometimes I get mixed up in this English. Some brothers can't even speak it at all. Man. You try to decipher what some of these brothers are saying, especially when they're trying to be professional. <laughs> 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 you know what I'm saying? So a, na- a nation of fierce countries whose tongue thou shalt not understand. This English, man, is far from the Hebrew that we used to speak. It's a bastard language, man. Keep going. A nation of fierce continents, which shall not regard the person of the old. Like Tamir Weiss, like Trayvon Martin. What's the boy that they beat to death for whist- the so-called whistling of that white girl? Uh, the a person of fierce continents, this nation of fierce continents just shall, that shall not do what? Regard the person of the old. You remember the elderly lady, man, that they shot to pieces in Detroit? They kicked in the wrong door, and Grandma had the shotgun, and she blasted through the wall or something, and they filled her with 98 bullets. Mm. And not only that, but think about all the other old men that they just strung up in the um, in the Ku Klux Klan, and in that uh, the, what they call it, the lynching uh, era. What's the technical name that they used for that era? So, not civil rights, but it was another uh, name. Five thousand lynchings or something like that. It's, it, all the lynchings that took place in America was was designed to stifle progress in the black community because you had some affluent black man that was doing big things, right? He yeah. was bringing the community forward. He he had some talent that he was handing down to his nephew and his cousins and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So they had to kill him. Every lynching was not done by somebody that committed a crime. It was done rather by, I mean, it was done to someone that had the ability to teach black people. It was coming home from a job or something like that. Keep going. Nor show favor to the young. They don't even care about your young. Tamir Rice, Trayvon Martin, Emmett Till, these white people. All right, go to uh, two more. Go to Deuteronomy 2864. Deuteronomy 2864. And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people. In the transatlantic slave trade, not only were we sold here in the Americas, but we were sold to, uh, in Russia, mm-hmm. China, Japan, all over this place. You go everywhere and you see black people. You know why? Because niggas was put on boats and shipped all across the four corners of the earth. That's right. In the transatlantic slave trade. Read it one more time. And the most high shall scatter thee among all people. Nation, you're gonna find black, Hispanic, and Native Indian people because of the slave trade. Go ahead. From the one end of the earth, go ahead. Even unto the other, go ahead. And there thou shalt serve other gods. You should serve who? Serve other gods. Okay, now when you go to church, sis, what day do you go to church on? On Sundays. What's the Sabbath day, though? I was told it was Saturdays. It is Saturday. So why do why do all Christian pastors tell you to go to church on Sunday? Because Constantine changed the Sabbath from Saturday to the sun day. Mm-hmm. He worshiped the sun. Okay? Mm-hmm. So your Christmas is all about sun worship. Mm-hmm. That's nothing to do with the Bible. All right? So when, when they got together and, and discovered our record, this is another story. I hope we have another interview. Right? Because I want to try to cram in everything, but there's so much information that I can provide for your audience 
to bring them abreast to why we follow all of these different. Really, Christianity is a uh, it, it, it is, is a is a uh, is a, uh, a coming together of all the, the religious celebrations of all these different nations in the earth. Okay, you find that in the Fourth Council of Nice. Nicaea. All right, I'm gonna give you that. You can look that up, and you can. And I'm gonna prove that not only Christmas, but that cross that you wear, and, and, and you believe it has something to do with your Awasha or Jesus, right? Another uh, bit of information: When was the letter J created? That was created what, like? Uh, I don't know. It was after because it was never no J. Right, it was never a J in the in the, uh, the English. Mm-hmm. Jay was only introduced in the fourth, 200 years ago, slightly. 200 years ago, 230 years ago, Jay was introduced into the language. Mm-hmm. So Christ was 2,000 years ago. So his name couldn't have been what? Couldn't have been Jesus. Okay. Couldn't have been Jesus. The right name is Yahweh Mashiach Yahweh meaning the anointed deliverer. All right? All right. Uh, go to, uh, I'm, I'm locked down almost where you are. 64? I mean 64. I just read that. Read it one more time. Don't, don't. 64. And the Lord shall scatter thee among all the people from one end of the earth unto the other. Go ahead. And there shalt thou serve other gods. There thou shalt serve other gods. Go ahead. Which neither thou nor thy fathers have known. Because they robbed us of our culture in this slave trade. Our fathers didn't know these gods. Keep going. Even wood and stone. The wood that you serve is that cross. They represent Sunday worship. Mm. And the stone is what you believe in Islam. That Kabbalah stone that they got to go over there and rub and kiss. Mm-hmm. And the other over there in the Middle East and Mecca, that's that stone. So the two major religions that black people follow is wood and stone. And this is my last precept. Deuteronomy 28, verse 68. Deuteronomy 28, 68. And the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again. And the Lord shall do what? Bring thee into Egypt. Egypt again. Now, you know, the Israelites, they walked into Egypt. Right? They walked into Egypt and then suffered uh, captivity, bondage. Right. right? They walked over there. They walked. Now, the water, the water didn't encompass all of the land. All right? It didn't split the, the land mass from one region to the other. It was a way that you could walk over into Egypt. All right? So the Israelites didn't get on the boat and go to Egypt. They walked. Joseph's brothers walked into Egypt. All right? It wasn't a boat that they needed to get on Egypt. So the Lord said, I'm going to send thee into Egypt. When? Again. Again, meaning a second time. Mm-hmm. Now, the word Egypt is a Greek word that means bondage. So the Lord is saying, I'm going to send you into captivity again. Keep going. With ships. With ships. With ships. How did we come into the Americas? Ships. ships, yeah. With what? With ships. And we got over here with ships. No other people can claim this one. We got over here when it came to conquistadors. They created, they made these ships right here. Uh, the Arabs built them, commissioned by the Jews to put us in these little tiny compartments. These little tiny compartments in the bowels of the ships. We were stacked like sardines beneath these ships right here. And the Lord said, I'm going to send you into captivity again with what? With ships. Keep going. By the way whereof. Meaning, this is Moses speaking to the Israelites. If you don't obey these laws, the Lord's going to put you in captivity again. This time, the means of getting there is going to be on ships. And 
And by the way we're on, meaning by the way, meaning the land that you all now that you gave to you uh, as an inheritance or uh, accepting this covenant, by the way we're on, go ahead. I speak unto thee, meaning by this land mass that I speak unto you on, go ahead. Thou shalt see no more again. Thou shalt what? Thou shalt see no more again. Hebrew. And there, and there, meaning when you get to this other place, in there, go ahead. Ye shall be sold. Oh, shit, what? Ye shall be sold. Here, nigga, there, nigga. Here, nigga, nigga, young buck, nigga, young wench, nigga. And there you shall be sold. To who? Unto your enemies. Now, back in your friends. Unto your enemies. Wear your hair like that, it says. Unto your enemies. Dress and talk and walk and love everything like uh, like your enemy, like the white man. So says, go ahead. For bond men and, go ahead. and bond women. And there you shall be sold. To your enemies for a slave man and a slave woman. Keep going. And no man shall buy you. That's old Quaker English. No man shall redeem you. Right. No man shall be able to render you from this curse because you didn't hearken unto the voice of the Lord God and obey all his laws, his statutes, and his commandments. That's it right there. That's the guts of what we teach. I, I, I kind of spared through it, but it get real deep because that's only one book of the Bible, right? Right. right. The Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelations, man, is talking about nothing but black, Hispanic, and Native Indian people. And the inheritance is coming, this this inheritance that you're going to receive for coming to the uh, the understanding of what you're supposed to do is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, according to the Bible, is not for all people. It's only for black, Hispanic, and Native Indian people. That should be like the, the, the topic that you come to me with next. Can I prove that the Bible, like John 3, 16, for instance, God so loved the world, right? Mm -hmm. You know that, Chris, uh, right. What does world mean, sis? That's our land, right? That's everything. See, that's, that's what you believe in Christianity. But world means what? It means, think about it. We got the animal world, don't we? Mm -hmm. We got the sea world. We got, what did Christopher Columbus call this place when he landed over here? The new world. <laughs> Say again. The new world. It's different from the what? Old the old world. Yeah. Two different worlds. So why is it that when we read John three sixteen and it says world, we think everybody can hurt? Give me one more slide. Matthew fifteen twenty four. Slide. Now, now when I get off into these, it kills Christianity. I, no, no Christian pastor could not sit before me and prove Christianity to be the truth. I would this. I'm glad you said that because you know I do an episode that's called the religious talk and it's a round yes. table and basically uh -huh. I like to bring in different people of different religions so we get yes. a round table and discuss because I have like lots of questions for each religion yes. to get like an underlining like understanding of everything and I think you're actually perfect for that so that's good I, I destroy all of them. Islam, Christianity, Buddhism I show them what they've been they've been serving for the last fifteen hundred years to five thousand years. And I prove it with, with their own handwriting. Right. If they don't serve the true God of the Bible. Right. That that what they discovered as God, God was no was a, a stone or some goddamn deformed little creature that came out with three heads and five arms and a, and a toe hanging out his head. That's what they call God. The Lord came to the Israelites and proved who God was. The power of Moses and the prophets, etc. Give me, give me that what Christ said. I want to, I want to leave you with Jesus. All right, I have real questions. 
how does your car look right now? Is it clean on the outside but not clean on the inside or vice versa? Uh-uh. Whether you're having a hot girl summer or a city boy summer, your car need to be looking good if you're going to be looking good inside of it. So here's the resolution. Make sure you call Simply Clean Mobile Car Washing and get your car looking good. Make sure it's restored back to new. And it'll only be done at Simply Clean Mobile Car Wash. So give them a call at 586-646-0403. 586 586- 646-0403. You will not complain. I guarantee that. You heard it here first on Moments with Mika.